Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for being with me here today. It is Monday, April the 20th, 420, if you will. Of course, it is the day on the pot smokers calendar. You know, we often see those large gatherings of people getting together to uh, partake in cannabis consumption. But of course, those celebrations or whatever you want to call them, maybe they're not celebrations to some people. But anyway, they're on hold, of course. I'm sure there will be many uh, getting together via video today. And I know that there are some plans in place uh, from a number of organizations that help organize such gatherings to do just that. I got a good show lined up here today. At the end of the program, I'm going to be chatting with the voice of the Kamloops Blazers, John Keane. The WHL, of course, has been handing out some awards over the past week or so, and more and more Blazers have been, uh, you know, getting the nod, or at least those associated with the team, uh, for being a, either an award winner, maybe a nominee. So we'll get into all of that, take a look at the upcoming Bantam Draft, which is set for Wednesday, and uh, maybe see what else is going on here in the sports world. Normally a, a time for a sports fan where it's, you know, really, really the dream time. I mean, you got the NHL and NBA playoffs typically underway. The baseball season's getting into full swing. Major League Soccer, uh, you know, that's going on. Um, you know, CFL starting to get underway usually around this time. Of course, we know that uh, the Lions are not going to be coming to Kamloops for part of their training camp this year. So a lot of disappointing, um, you know, things going on in the sports world. Of course, there are more important things than sports. But there are still some things that are happening. Like I said, that Bantam WHL draft is set for later this week. The NFL draft is going to be happening on uh, starting on Thursday. So if you're like me and desperate for some sports action, then perhaps you're going to be watching team executives announce their draft picks via video, uh, having some kid sit there with his phone on, uh, you know, pointed at his face while he's in his house and getting wait, getting getting set to see if he is picked by an NFL team. So that's uh, the most exciting thing going on in the sports world. Um, yeah, not, not very exciting sports. Drafts typically aren't very great television watching, but at the same point in time, that's all we got. So I will take advantage, I guess, while we can. Also on today's show, I'm going to be joined by Kyla Lee with Acumen Law. She joins me pretty well every Monday, and this week we're going to be talking about how lawyers are sort of dealing with their mental health right now and the concerns that, uh, you know, can come with being a lawyer here in this COVID-19 world that we live in. And also, what's going on for new and aspiring lawyers? What opportunities might exist for them coming out of this whole thing? Well, we'll get into that chat a little bit later in the hour. But to begin today's show, I wanted to take a look at what post-secondary institutions are doing to prepare for next school year. Of course, as as we go through a pandemic, I assume that it is causing a few changes in the way that colleges and universities are perhaps, you know, looking at accepting new students. What sorts of changes might they be looking at? Well, joining me now on the line is the Registrar and Associate VP of Enrollment Services at Thompson Rivers University, Mike Bloom. Mike, thank you so much for uh, taking the time here. Hi, Jeff. Thanks. So, yeah, I just kind of want to start by getting a, a, a little bit of a picture from you of how things have changed when it comes to uh, how your office is, is handling COVID-19. I imagine there's been quite a few changes or at least some, um, you know, uh, directional differences in how maybe things are going to work here this spring when you're looking at uh, accepting people to TRU, uh, uh, maybe compared to how things have worked in the past. Sure. I'll, uh, um there may be uh, not as much change as you think, but happy to, uh, to touch on a few things here. It, it has a lot to do with the timing of, of when all this uh, began, really. Um, the, the vast majority of our application and admissions processes are, are actually electronic already. So in a, you know, as many things that we're doing are shifting 
to remote and alternative delivery, et cetera, the application and admission process really hasn't changed that much. Um, our applications are online. We receive transcripts uh, from, uh, we receive grades from high schools electronically. We receive transcripts from other institutions electronically. Um, so a lot of the mechanics are really, uh, haven't changed much. So we've got staff working remotely and in different places, but they're doing the same work and they're doing uh, their work electronically. Um, I think what changes, of course, um, is, uh, is students' ability to engage with this process, their, their interest or willingness to focus on it right now, while they're, they're focused on uh, changing their own learning environments as well. So uh, we haven't seen too much of a change in our application uh, volume, uh, in our admissions volume, that seems to be that seems to be uh, on par with where we've been in previous years. So, in terms of, I guess, how you're sort of going about things right now and, and looking towards a, a new school year in September, I guess, are you sort of looking at uh, going through this process and, and sort of anticipating business as usual come the fall? I mean, I know it's it's really up in the air about how it's going to look at that point, but just, I guess, as you're going through things right now, or is it sort of uh, trying to look at things as status quo when it comes to that admission process? Yeah, certainly not status quo. Um, there, there really is no normal or usual <laughs> anymore, it seems. Um, uh, so we know that uh, uh, things may look different from uh, from the uh, from the perspective of the final information we gather from from applicants. So um, again, a lot to do with the timing. But um, many of our, well, the vast majority of our admission decisions are made. On, on information that, that was already available or is continuing to be available before uh, COVID-19 really began to have an impact on our, our processes and our, our work. Uh, so the offers are out there, but what we do in, in, um, as the school year comes to an end is confirm everything with final transcripts. So, so we do anticipate maybe there'll be uh, some changes, some, uh, some challenges with um, the, what grades we may receive, but we've got some uh, confirmation from the Ministry of Education that they intend to, uh, that, you know, that teachers are still teaching, uh, students are still uh, engaged in learning uh, at a distance, and we will see transcripts, we'll see final grades, students will graduate that meet grad requirements. Um, so the way that information comes to us might look or, or feel a bit different, but we still anticipate receiving it. Uh, as if in terms of the start of September, you're absolutely right. There's there's a lot of variables there. Uh, don't know what delivery will look like, but 100% uh, there will be um, university courses and programs offered. Uh, that could be on campus. It could be uh, through alternative delivery. But we intend to uh, proceed with admissions as though. Uh, uh, we'll we'll have students ready to engage. Mm -hmm. uh, can you speak at all to what volume of of the applications you are receiving right now? Is it sort of on par with the you know past years? It is, and we're actually um, maybe not uh, significant, but we're actually seeing a, a small increase in the application volume this year over last year. Um, not a significant amount, so I would say it's about the same, but certainly not seeing uh, an impact. 
uh, of the COVID-19 situation at this point. And, and one of the big things with TRU, I know when talking about, um, you know, just who, who is being accepted, and there's a big focus that is get, that does get put on international students. I was just wondering if you could speak at all to maybe how, um, you know, is there like tentative acceptances being put on those, uh, you know, international students, just because who knows how things are going to look come the end of the summer and if travel is even going to be a possibility. Is that changing the way that, um, you know, maybe either students themselves are looking to, um, you know, accept uh, an admission that they have received from TRU? Are they maybe like trying to, to examine some potential contingency plans if something were to go awry? Or, I mean, is it the fact that there is going to be, even if it is an online course, um, you know, um, load that they're going to be taking, that they could do those kinds of courses from home? Like they wouldn't necessarily have to travel out of country to take those classes. Is there, you know, any sort of change or, or um contingency plans in place when it comes to how the international student body is, is going to be examined come September? Right. Well, um, in, in some ways, um, not a lot different. In terms, again, in terms of the process of having students apply and reviewing applications for admission, uh, that's continuing as it has in the past, and uh, we continue to admit students. The, the, those offers wouldn't be um, conditional per se on, on the availability to be here. That's always a situation that we, we um, account for uh, for students that are coming from outside of our region, uh, internationally or not, um, is that you've got the offer to be here and if, if you can make it here, uh, the offer's there for you. So that will continue, but you're right, the, the, uh, the big question that, that we, um, <clears throat> we don't have clarity on right now is what student mobility will be like uh, by September and what uh, our situation here in Kamloops will be like in terms of uh, gatherings of a certain size, whether we'll be able to offer campus programs or, or online. Okay. So there's certainly that hope that if, if we are offering um, alternative delivery, online delivery, that um, the, uh, the governments involved would allow for students to engage in that type of learning remotely uh, from their home countries. That's been uh, the decision for programs that begin over the summer. Uh, there's no uh, definitive uh, conclusion on that for programs that begin in the fall just yet. Um, and I think we'll just, time will tell, we'll have to see. Uh, Mike, one more question here for you before I let you go, and then you might not even be able to necessarily answer this, but I want to ask anyway and see if there, you have any kind of response. Is you know, As we go through a pandemic, we're seeing uh, sort of a little bit of a, a shift in focus of, of um, you know, what industries may be may more uh, sustainable moving forward and, and you know, what types of jobs might, uh, might change as a result of going through this whole COVID-19 pandemic. Are you seeing any changes in terms of what courses may be more popular right now or is there an, a spike in any particular sectors where you're, that might be tied to, to COVID-19? Have you seen any sort of data yet in that regard of what people are interested in at this point? Mm. Yeah, great question. I, I, um, I haven't seen uh, anomalies uh, like that. Um, our application numbers seem to be uh, fairly consistent uh, in terms of the, the selections that students are making. It seems to be fairly consistent with previous years up till now. Um, but again, I think this is certainly something that uh, it could take shape over time that we haven't seen yet. Fair enough. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. I really do appreciate you taking the time to get in touch with me here. Anything else that uh, you know you, you want to add that I might have missed here before I let you go? Uh, I'll just add that 
Um, we want to ensure that students know we are open and ready. Uh, our applications are open. We continue to take apps. Um, if you're interested, uh, if you've got an application in already and you're not sure what to do, um, just drop us a line. Uh, get a hold of us. Visit our website. There's a site there for future students and we can help you out. Uh, we want to make sure that, uh, that you know with everything that's going on, um, your education doesn't have to take a pause or stop. We can help you with that. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I really do appreciate your time here today. Okay, thanks a lot, Jeff. That was Mike Bloom, the Registrar and Associate Vice President of Enrollment Services at Thompson Rivers University. So, uh, yeah, a few changes, I guess, more so in the uh, student's ability to engage in the process. And, and one of the things that, uh, you know, I know a lot of uh, new new high school grads are, are looking forward to and they're making these decisions about where they want to attend school in September is visiting certain campuses and, and deciding, you know, what you like about those facilities. Not something that clearly you're going to be able really to do this spring. Um one of the things that I know I did when I was making my post-secondary uh, decision was I visited a couple of campuses to see which, you know, programs I like better at certain places. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, new, new prospective students won't be able to go through that process. But there, I'm sure there will be some virtual tours to take and those kinds of things as well. Um, the number of applications is pretty much on par, actually slightly ahead of last year. So that's good news for TRU right now. And uh, yeah, not a whole lot of changes at this point in time in terms of the types of courses that people are interested in, but I'm sure that is going to change um, really in the not too distant future. Maybe it hasn't changed as we're only, you know, a month and a half really into this pandemic, but uh, I'm sure that the data will change come next year. All right, well, let's take a quick break and I'll be back with my usual Monday guest here, Acumen Law's Kyla Lee. So please stay tuned. More Jeff Andrea show is just around the corner. Voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk at RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for tuning in here with me today. It is, of course, Monday, April the 20th, which means it is now time to bring in Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, how you doing here today? I'm not bad, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm doing not too bad, not too bad. Um, of course, you know, as we're all sort of adjusting to life and uh, how, how COVID-19 is forcing us all to stay at home and, of course, court, uh, you know, not operating really at all right now, I just wanted to kind of get a, a handle on sort of what does a normal day look like for Kyla Lee right now? I am assuming it's uh, like <laughs> everyone else and not as eventful as you would like it. No, it's definitely not. Um, it's a lot of, you know, working on what I anticipate uh, will be things that are, are going to proceed in the future. Um, you know, trying to hedge my bets on when court's going to be resuming full operations and whether they're going to be extending the extension and trying to resolve as many files as possible for when that eventually does happen. Now, with that being sort of what you're you're doing right now, it kind of just leaded me into my first question in talking about what sorts of opportunities there might be right now for people um, who are looking to either, you know, become a lawyer or, or recently, um, you know, got the credentials to start practicing law. I mean, what sorts of opportunities are out there right now for these people looking to break into the business? Are there any? Because it sounds like, you know, you who have been in the business for quite some time has a, a, a pretty significant slowdown right now. How, how does that play into those who are sort of seeking to, to get into the, the business of law at this time? For new uh, 
uh, new calls for the bar and people who've just graduated law school and are looking to complete their articles, it's a really difficult time. Um, there's a very limited amount of work available. Lots of people have been laid off um, from their firms or lost their articling jobs, had their articling offers revoked because there's no work and no money to pay them. Um, so it's, it's incredibly unfortunate how significantly this is affecting people and, and disproportionately affecting young lawyers and people who are new, um, new to the profession. Yeah, and I'm assuming that, uh, you know, the longer this drags on, too, the higher the competition is going to be to to get into the field. I mean, you talk about a number of people being laid off, so those people are going to be fighting for new jobs as well, and then you have these new grads, and then, you know, the longer this goes on, potentially even more people who are looking to enter the field all at the same time. So I imagine it's starting to get a little bit of a, a funnel going on right now, or a bit of a bottleneck, if you will, in terms of um, what things are going to look like coming out of this and what opportunities might be available. Maybe we haven't hit that bottleneck just yet, but I imagine it's something that uh, is, might be being predicted in the industry. It is, especially um, they canceled the bar exam um, that was supposed to be taking place in May. Um, there was going to be a sitting and people were going to write the exam. That's been canceled um, by and large, except for a very small number of people and pushed off until August or September. Um, so there's all these people who were anticipating getting called to the bar between now and, and August or September who are now going to be uh, having that delayed. They're going to be entering the profession later, which means more time spent earning a lower income, if they're even able to continue on at their firms as it is now, mm -hmm. more time spent um, with, with all of the you know, mounting debt from law school. It, it's incredibly unfortunate for people like that. Now, that kind of also leads into the next subject here pretty well. I mean, I know that you're seeking a venture position now, Kyla, and, and one of the fallouts of COVID-19 um, that you have sort of mentioned is how is it going to impact uh, mental health, addiction, and, and wellness? And, of course, this is something that applies to the entire population, but also, I mean, we do have to look at it a little bit as uh, unique situations for different people in different sectors, and, of course, that applies to those working in law as well. So what types of challenges are you hearing right now from your colleagues and from your co-workers about what um, challenges they are having right now in, in this pandemic? What, what sorts of challenges may be uh, a little more unique to lawyers right now? Are, are you hearing anything specific? Absolutely. Lots of people are really struggling with depression and anxiety um, and the depression and anxiety is coming from sources that they're not used to having um, you know most people who become lawyers are kind of like type a people who like to be busy and are always working on something and when you have all of that very suddenly just pulled out from under you and nothing to do with your time a lot of people are having real difficulty mentally coping with that and and they're struggling with depression from a source that they've never had to experience before in their lives um, in addition, you have this anxiety that a lot of people are, are experiencing because their businesses are on the verge of failing. And people who go into law don't go into law assuming that they're never going to have work or that they might have a business that's, that's going to collapse. And yet now that's the reality for a lot of lawyers. I mean, you, you used to be able to say, well, if you become a lawyer, you always have something to do. But that's not true right now. Um, most lawyers are sitting around with nothing to do. Um, and, you know, there are high overheads um, from, from salaries, from all of the support staff that lawyers require, from professional fees, which are thousands of dollars every year. Um, you know, people are struggling to pay these, and that's contributing to, to a source of anxiety that they've never had to face before. 
Now, you've, like I said, we're, you're, when you're putting out these kinds of messages about the concerns that you have for those who are dealing with these uh, types of problems right now and are dealing with these added stresses on their life that uh, you know they never anticipated they would have or at least never hoped that they would have to deal with, what sorts of solutions have you kind of thought of of, of how uh, you, know, you can go and, and, and deal with these sorts of issues? Um, you know, is there anything that you have kind of proposed or, or ideas that you've put together that you think might work in helping people get through these challenging times? I think the Law Society, right now they're deferring um, the fee payment that was supposed to be uh, due at this time of year. Um, they're deferring that uh, until August to give people some more time to come up with the money. But I think they should also be using the financial resources that they have. And the Law Society has access to a large pool of money. Um, you know, they should be using that to provide, you know, short-term loans to lawyers who are either laying off staff because they can't afford to keep them, who are at risk of, of losing their leases and, and being kicked out of their, their places of business, whose businesses are suffering, lawyers particularly who take legal aid cases, whose business entirely relies on the courts running trials. Um, you know, it would be a good opportunity for the Law Society to say, here, we're not spending this money on any of the things we normally spend it on because nothing's running right now. We'll loan you this money on a short-term basis so that you can keep afloat while all of this is going on. Because we know that the justice system is going to pick up again once restrictions are lifted. And it'll be one of the first things that comes back into effect because we need it. Um, and lawyers should be helped along the way by the Law Society. We pay enough in fees. You know, they should be helping us out. Yeah, and, and I mean, coming out of this too, I mean, you talk about how once the economy or, you know, restarts and we start seeing people head back to work and uh, when it comes to law, I mean, it feels like there, there's not going to be this big rush all of a sudden to get things done because, um, you know, there's it's already been an overloaded system to begin with. So it's not like things are all of a sudden going to start rushing and pushing through the system quicker in order to create more jobs or make more people um, have to come into the, the workforce in order to play catch up. I assume it's almost going to be, um, you know, a very slow progression back to, to what it was, a lot of phone hearings and these kinds of things. So there's not all of a sudden going to be this boom in business and then in the law in law field, you know, coming out of this. I, at least that's what I assume will be the case. Yeah, I anticipate that we'll see a lot of things coming back in staggered processes, so phone hearings for simple matters um, that have been adjourned uh, thus far, um, you know, joint agreements being dealt with first before lengthy, complicated trials with numerous witnesses. That seems to make the most sense, and I anticipate that's likely what we'll see. Um, but we know that the work is going to be there, and the more that we delay bringing all of the files that already exist to a close, the longer there's going to be a supply of work, which means that for lawyers who are right now out of work, they're going to have access to work in the future because it's there and we know it's there and it's not going anywhere. Um, so the Law Society would know that they can count on lawyers to eventually be able to pay back their loans um, and to eventually be back to work. It's not like an industry that's going to change so significantly that it doesn't resemble its former self as a result of, of um, uh, the impacts of this pandemic. We're going to go back to relatively what it was before, maybe with a few more efficiencies in place. Yeah, well, we'll I'm, I'm hoping there will be those supports out there for, for people who are struggling. We've seen it for a number of of small business owners, and I don't always necessarily think of lawyers as being small business owners, but of course that is the case, and they, uh, you know, own these firms that they, uh, you know, employ people with. So hopefully, uh, you know, for everybody's sake that is involved in those fields and is employed, um, you know, those some 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 supports are made available to help us all get through this. Uh, each individual sector is dealing with its own unique set of problems, and really, I guess at the end of the day, they're actually not all that unique. But uh, yeah, 
all, all we can do is hope that we see some some help put out there. Um, well, thanks so much, Kyla. Always appreciate you coming on and, and uh, filling us in on what's going on in your world. And uh, yeah, today's no different. So thanks so much for uh, for doing this, and we'll uh, catch up again next week. Great, thank you for having me. Yeah, as always, that was Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. All right, well, uh, coming up next, I'm going to take a quick break, but I'm going to start talking a little bit about hockey. Yeah, I know there's not a whole heck of a lot going on in the sports world right now, but the Kamloops Blazers have been making some announcements. Uh, the WHL is out with some uh, awards that are coming out, uh, some nominations being made, some being handed out. Uh, the, the Blazers, of course, had a great season that saw them win the BC Division, so there's no shortage of uh, uh, individuals who are getting a little bit of praise right now. So we'll be chatting about that. Wednesday is also the Bantam Draft. I'll be chatting with John Keene about all of that after this. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for being with me here on 420. Let's bring in now the voice of the Kamloops Blazers, John Keane. John, how are you handling this hey. sportsless life that we live in right now? Well, I'm, I'm too much of a square, so I won't be partaking in 420 today. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, as you know, uh, I'm working pretty much for the most part out of home unless I have to come in and do some things. And it's been a bit of a transition, a bit odd, but... You know, days like Wednesday's uh, Bantam draft, I'll have to be uh, there at the battle station there at my desk at work there. So it's been a bit different. Yeah, it's been a bit different for all of us, but I appreciate you still taking the time. And I'm just happy that we have, a, although not a ton of news, really, some news still that is going on when it comes to our Kamloops Blazers. And uh, with that in mind, I kind of wanted to, to dig through this a little bit with you. So, of course, the Blazers did get to play 63 games. They were able to claim the BC Division title and lock that up before the season was called. So um, hopefully we get a band racing here at the very least next year but sure. in terms of these awards i'm just going to start by going through them and of course the big one at least in my opinion the big one here uh for the team was logan stankoven named the whl's western conference rookie of the year uh, not really a surprise here led all 16 year old players in goals with 29 and 58 games and he had another uh, 19 assists for a total of 48 points so not not a bad season here for the uh, the young 16 year old yeah, it was great, and, and I think he definitely would have uh, broken the uh, club record for most goals by a 16-year-old. He finishes uh, tied with 29 with Rob Brown, and, you know, it was special. I think it really came on for him in the second half of the season. We saw uh, a four-goal game, remember that, in mid-February against Victoria, where uh, Blazer fans actually chose that as the top uh, home ice moment of the season, which is too bad because, you know, this team had a long playoff run in it, and uh, it, it didn't happen. But uh, great, great for him, and, you know, the sky's the limit here 29 goals in a rookie season i mean that's uncharted territory for me i don't really know where we go uh for that next season but uh but well, quite the campaign and and as advertised right i mean we as a camelot's kid you know there's a lot of expectations and highly touted and you know media sure talked about him a lot so it was nice to see him go and have the year he did yeah he lived up to the hype that is for sure so i guess when looking at him and, and next year and maybe you know trying to take his game to that next level um obviously 30 goals would be a, a pretty easy target to set for for next season assuming we do get a full year in we won't get into those um <laughs> predictions and at this point but if we were to get a full season in i would expect at least 30 goals would be the goal for him but in terms of those assist totals i mean only 19 here this year um so i mean i think there's some room to grow in terms of that playmaking ability as well well, picture this. If everything goes up as a hitch and in a perfect world, 
Stan Coven next year is on a line with Connor Zary and Orenson Tassel. He takes that place where Zane Franklin was. Now, now this is just on paper. This is, you know, just maybe where he'd fit in. We, we did see him slide into there on occasion. So imagine that. Imagine the potential there uh, after, you know, you mentioned the 29 goals and maybe the limited assists, and all of a sudden you have uh, Sintazo, a 40-goal man, and a potential first-round NHL pick on the other side. I mean, that's pretty incredible stuff that, you know, you could load up. If, uh, that, that makes me just feel so bad if, if for whatever reason, uh, the Blazers can't play, you know, on time or, or things are delayed or, or not at all for, for next fall and, and into the winter. Yeah, and, and, you know, speaking of the, the roster on paper and what it looks like right now, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a, a pretty easy job. I mean, when you're taking what this team looked like here this year and uh, projecting it into next year, of course, you're going to lose some some great 20-year-olds in Max Martin, uh, Zane Franklin, of course, the leader of the team, and um, uh, Ryan Hughes as well. So definitely some, some loss coming, but, I mean, they do seem to have the players right now to come in and fill that void. So General Manager Matt Bardsley named the WHL Western Conference Executive of the Year. Um, what are your thoughts? I guess, on what he has to do here this summer. And we'll get into Wednesday here next, but let's just start with sort of the overall performance here that, that he has to look forward to over the course of these coming months to get ready for the 2020-21 season. I mean, like I said, it seems when, when you're talking about what that projected roster might look like right now, I mean, it sounds like he might be in for a pretty easy summer. Yeah, and first of all, congratulations to him. I mean, this is uh, these awards are almost a pay-your-dues type of award here where the league is, is very much there to reward the, the, you know, the executives and the coaches that have been there a long time, that have, that have put in their years. And for Matt to be just the second-year GM and get this chosen by his peers, I mean, that's, that's massive for him. And, and, yeah, he has set things up pretty well here you know, moving forward, Jeff. Uh, when you think of it, they have a pretty good top nine returning uh, to next season. They're, they're solid in the crease of Dylan Garand. We know that. Uh, and, you know, maybe if there is an area where they may need an upgrade, uh, you know, a defenseman or two, it would be, yeah, it would be the blue line. And I think, you know, when you lose guys like, you know, like Max Martin and, uh, you know, you're going to have to make a decision on your 20-year-olds as well. I think you can have one but not both of Montana, Onyibuchi, and Sean Strange. So right away you're taking, you know, two of your top four D-men right there. So you're, you're looking at that scenario there as, as probably a defenseman. And, you know, and I think there's probably some, some, some wish lists and things to show her up for sure. But, you know, I think, um, you know, he, he's done a great job here of, of building a roster that not only can be a, a one and done, but, but more than that here and try to carry it over successive seasons and, and be a competitive team year in, year out. Now, speaking of those 20-year-olds, uh, there are quite a few on the roster right now. Uh, you can't keep them all, unfortunately. we got Orenson Tazo, Brody Stewart, Riley Appelt, uh, Tyler Carpendale. Uh, you mentioned Sean Strang as well as Anya Bucci. So lots of decisions to make on those 20-year-olds. But looking ahead to this draft on Wednesday, the WHL Bantam Draft, typically a time where you might be able to you know, see some movement of those types of players. And then, of course, the draft picks and the Blazers have 10 selections in the first six rounds, 19, 27, 52, 60. 82, 85, 107, 116, 127, and 128. Uh, so lots of action that they could be, uh, you know, in terms of picking new players and then, uh, you know, some, some intriguing options probably to add to packages if they wanted to go out and make a move. But I guess what are you looking forward to here on Wednesday, given that, um, you know, the, you had mentioned in our sports earlier here in the hour that uh, there probably isn't going to be quite as much trade action here this time around. 
Yeah, there probably won't, and that's just the uncertainty, right? I mean, you can add a player. Uh, let, let's say that you, you don't get to see that player go out and perform until, you know, after winter or, or whatever. I mean, uh, it's just tough. I mean, things might be back to normal as far as, you know, playing the game. Crowds might be a different story, but you, know, you really can't go and, uh, and, and go and, and spend a lot of assets on the unknown. With that said, we're seeing some player movement today. Kate Oliver, uh, uh, a really good player from Victoria, they're uh, in a swap to the Edmonton Oil Kings today. So there are some players being moved around here. Um, but but I, I think what we will see is the Blazers make their 10 selections more than likely uh, through those first six rounds so that they could be virtually done their selections by the end of round six, which would be amazing, and that's pretty rare. And then they can, you know, move those picks so maybe trade the seventh, eighth, ninth pick uh, for next year or the year after uh, to maybe pad up those because I, I think 10 selections is going to be a, a lot. And, you know, you, the final number that you mentioned there was 128. So 10 picks in the first 128, uh, they should be feeling pretty good about, you know, the, the talent they can build in what is supposed to be a really deep draft. Uh, Jeff, we're talking this could be one of the better drafts in, in years as far as uh, top-end talent and depth throughout the draft here, so I think they feel pretty good. Right on, John. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but I appreciate it. It's been, uh, what, almost a month probably since I've had the <laughs> chance to have you on the show, so glad to have you back, and uh, hopefully uh, there's more sports for us to talk about in the not-too-distant future. I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that. Yeah, you bet. Look forward to it. Nice to have this in this better time slot here as well here. You know, maybe <laughs> yeah. a bit of a, more of a time to, to prep and buffer here beforehand. Uh, especially when you're coming back from those road trips. That'll be a big help. Uh, yes. All yeah, right. Thanks, bet. John. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, John. You bet. That's the voice of the Kamloops Blazers, John Keane. And as I was talking about those 20-year-olds, probably difficult for other teams to even want to think about trading for them just because we don't know what the season is going to look like. So hard to make a decision on overagers at this point in time uh, when you're trying to make projections about what the season will look like in terms of a timeline. Uh, so it's going to be a good draft here on Wednesday. We'll watch the Blazers make their 10 picks and then uh, try to... Uh, fill in the gaps from there. Well, on that note, it's about time for me to wrap things up, so I want to say thank you to all my guests for joining me, and of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening, and remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Have yourself a great day, and I'll be back here tomorrow at noon.